special episode of the Rookie Big Board. It is a mailbag episode, but not any mailbag episode. It is a celebration here of the release of Volume 1 of the 2022 Rookie Guide. That's right, now available for just $6. You can get 130 pages of Rookie Insight, 90 individual player profiles available, Rankings for every player in this class broken down by tier with the patented rookie big board rating formula. Insights comparing the 2022 rookie class to the top Devi assets in the 2023, 2024, and 2025 classes, as well as a comparison of the 2022 rookie class to the current dynasty values that is by position. You also get insight into uh, multiple mock drafts. There is a ton of information packed into this guide. And I can't emphasize this enough. Volume 1 is just $6. And it comes with a free Volume 2. Volume 2 will be released on May 1st. Updated for all of the landing spots. Folks, the Patreon has grown tremendously over the last few months, but I've seen the podcast numbers as well. Those downloads have grown tremendously as well. If this podcast has helped you out, please head on over to patreon.com slash the FF educator and just check out the rookie guide. It's a $6 per month pledge. Truly for some of us, that ain't even our bougie coffee. Check it out. Give the Patreon a shot. If you're enjoying this podcast, I think you're going to find that you are going to get more than your value back. All right, that is more than a commercial that I normally like to do at the top of a podcast, but I have to do it because I've been working on this product, building up to the point where I felt comfortable releasing a detailed guide like this. It's, you know, in some ways, four or five years in the making. So I had to give a little bit more of a commercial than I feel comfortable with or that I usually do. But again, patreon.com slash the FF educator, by the way, if you want to hang on at the $3 and $1 levels of the Patreon, you will get volume two. Everybody gets volume two, but six and $9 patrons, patrons, I should say, get uh, get volume one. All right, so let's go into it here. I have seven mailbag questions that I pulled from the Discord. Again, another huge perk. Every level of patron patron access does come with Discord access, and I dropped it in there today. I just asked, man, let's celebrate the release of this guide with a mailbag, and I had too many questions to choose from, so I'm sorry if yours didn't get in there, but I have some good ones, and you all know how these mailbag episodes go off the uh, go here. I normally go very scripted. I do my research. I do it out. I like to be a little bit more off the cuff, a little bit more organic here, and work through questions together. So let's start with a question here from Funked. Says, what are some things you look for when throwing darts in rounds four and five? I love this question. And again, I'm not going to make this whole thing a commercial, but it's one of the things that's really fantastic about the rookie guide here is I list out players and one of my projection tiers is taxi squad stash. And it's exactly what Funk is describing here, right? Who are those guys 
that you're going to just take a shot on. Late, what qualifies somebody as a taxi squad stash? There's a few elements here that I think are kind of beyond what most people would give the advice for. And folks that have been listening know one of these that I like to talk about a lot. It's special teams potential. So if there's a player that you like, uh, but you're not quite sure if they're going to make a roster, right? Say they're a late day three selection. Say they are a priority undrafted free agent. By the way, a priority undrafted free agent is somebody who I define as being signed to an NFL roster within 48 hours of the draft ending. And this year, there's going to be a lot of these guys, right? Remember, the COVID year pushed eligibility back. This is a very large class. Over 200 prospects just for that are fantasy relevant, right? So there are going to be a good amount of these guys that go undrafted that could be impact players in the NFL. Guys who could have gone rounds five or six last year are going to go undrafted this year because there's just so many more players, right? So what are we looking for here? I'm looking for a player that can make the team as a special teams player because that is going to keep them on the NFL roster. If you have a wide receiver that has the ability to return kicks, right? Even if they are not going to be a guaranteed guy at the top of the of the roster, they're going to be on the roster. Now, as a wide receiver to go down with injury, right? All of a sudden, they become more relevant over time. So let me give you a good example here. I know I mentioned wide receiver. That's who we usually think of uh, when it comes to returning kicks. But here's a really good example of a guy who might fall in this range. Zonovan Knight. Remember Bam Knight? This was somebody I was really excited about. He had some a lot of promise uh, in his summer scouting tape. 2021 tape it was good it was fine it was solid uh you know it, he didn't separate himself and he's end up in the you'll see in the rookie guide he's kind of like a mid-tier elite you know bench depth taxi squad stash kind of guy but Zonovan Knight is a kick returner. You know, he took him to the house for NC State this year. So I think he could end up being a, a late day three selection, right, for the NFL draft. But I think he's going to hang around on an NFL roster. And so because of that, he is going to get a chance. Bam Knight could be running back four on this team, but he's going to make the team over somebody like, uh, you know, uh, gosh, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but okay, a guy like Keontae Ingram, right? <laughs> That's probably controversial, right? But a guy like Keontae Ingram, kind of a board to find two down back he may struggle right he may go around six or seven and he may have a tougher time hanging on to an nfl roster i like keontae ingram i think he makes an nfl roster but i'm just kind of trying to draw a comparison for guys who are probably in the same tier i would take zonovan knight over keontae ingram because he has special teams potential how about another guy uh, or, or another trait i should say that we should look at here pass blocking ability at the running back position running backs who can pass block are going to be more likely to hang around an nfl team it's it's not a skill that's developed well at the college level, right? So as you're kind of looking for guys to take dart throws on later later in the drafts, look for guys that have good pass blocking ability. You know, some of the two of the guys that jump out the page for me, and they're not really late round picks, but two good examples of guys that would fit this criteria. Damian Pierce, who I think should really be kind of a late third, early fourth round pick. He won't be, but I, I do think that's where Damian Pierce should be. And Kyron Williams, two fantastic pass blockers in this year's class here. Certainly some guys, you know, deeper than that. But like I said, I like to work a little bit more organically here with these mailbags. So those are two things I would look for, though. And certainly, you know, as you go into the guide, you could see a uh, pass blocking ability uh, and kind of how that matches up there uh, with it. Um, another guy who can kind of pass block well 
um, or decently well here that might be a little bit lower is Abram Smith out of Baylor. So that might be a better uh, late-round target guy to kind of compare. All right, let's jump on to the next question here. But again, late-round dart throws, special teams ability, pass blocking ability. I think both of those are really great. All right, uh, DChase05 asks, how are we feeling about Kyra Williams post-pro day? That's a great question here. I just alluded to him a little bit. Ah, Kyra Williams, man. I, he's a roller coaster, right? It's so difficult. You don't want to overinvest in pro day numbers. And so, you know, let's just go through kind of what the progression has been for Kyra Williams. I was high on Kyra Williams. I liked his tape. I think he does everything well on tape. Now he's coming in a little undersized. So, you know, kind of as we let the rankings settle in, in January, Kyron Williams was sitting there uh, running back four, you know, very transparently. I had him in my top tier of running backs. He was the bottom of that top tier, but I consider those top four guys to be top tier backs. And, you know, on pure film evaluation, that stands true. Kyron Williams, of course, saw his stock drop when he ran at 46540 at the NFL Combine. Uh, he came in at, at a buck 94, which that 194 is that, that break number, right? You want to be 195 or above. At the pro day, Kyron Williams ends up running a 4-5-4-40 time, which is a significant increase. And of course, we expect numbers to improve at pro days, but that's a pretty significant improvement. He also ends up weighing in at a buck 99, which is much closer uh, to that comfortable threshold. Uh, I didn't actually bump Kyron Williams back up based on his pro day. I think what's really going to make or break Kyron Williams is if he can get that top 102 draft capital, right? If he can go rounds two or three, most likely round three, if anything, then Kyron Williams is going to have that draft capital. Uh, assuming he lands in a situation where I can project volume, that he can end up as a solid tier two back. I think he's, I think tier one is out of the realm of possibilities. It was a little bullish for me to put him up there, but I loved his evaluation and, and I'm willing to be bullish on my guys early. And then as we kind of get to the point where people are actually going to start using rookie picks, that's when I kind of hone in that value a little bit, right? So right now, Kyron Williams is sitting at running back seven for me. It's very close, though. If you look at my five, six, seven, and eight, I mean, and, and nine, quite frankly, it's very close together. So you look at right now, Rashad White, Samir White, Kyron Williams, Brian Robinson Jr., Hassan Haskins. You could even go as far down as Tyler Algier and Tyler Beatty. These are guys that are going to reorganize themselves here based on draft capital, based on how I can project them. So this is a really long way of saying I didn't actually adjust Kyron Williams based off his pro day numbers, but I started with Kyron Williams a little bit higher, and I did drop him based on his combine performance, uh, but I didn't drop him as far as I think some people did. So he's sitting right there running back seven, solid tier two back right now, and just like any of these guys that you might like in this second tier of running backs, it's going to depend on landing spot, and it's going to depend on how much volume we can project for him early on in his NFL career. All right, next question here is coming up. Uh, what is your strategy for tight ends in tight end premium leagues? And I want to make sure I get this credit correctly. This question is coming in from uh, D Chase 5 as well. Yeah, he snuck in two questions here. They were just too good. I couldn't help it. Uh, so what is your strategy for tight ends in tight end premium leagues? I think D Chase is getting at the fact that I introduced one quarterback rankings here uh, in the rookie big board this year <laughs> on Notion in the guide on top of the Superflex rankings. Rankings I, I usually put in. I don't know, man, if I got time to add the tight end premium rankings next time around. But 
I, I say that jokingly because there is a, a good approach that we could take here. You know, quite frankly, I don't push tight ends that far up. I, I think sometimes we overestimate the impact that tight end premium can have. I think it's a good bump, right? Uh, and certainly if you, you look at the mid-range of the rookie big board uh, rankings right now, right? So if you go to the full rookie big board, you can kind of see... Uh, let me point out here where Trey McBride is. Right now, Trey McBride is at 21 overall. This is a, a non-tight end premium, and he's falling in the flex filler tier, right? So the type of guys that are around him in that same tier right now, Alec Pierce, Samir White are just above him, Christian Watson, John Mechie just below him, right? And so I think for me, tight end premium just gives me a little bit more confidence if I'm comparing Trey McBride to a guy like Alec Pierce, right? Because you're going to look at, or Zamir White. Let's use Zamir White, because I, I like the tight end to running back comparison here, because there's kind of a premium on running backs. And so for me, you know, that positional value, if you look at Zamir White or if you look at Trey McBride, you're kind of looking at that and saying, yeah, actually, I, I think I feel more comfortable, you know, more times than not, I think folks are going to look at that and say they feel more comfortable taking the running back in that situation instead of gambling on the tight end, which we know takes a little bit longer to pay off, right? And so in a tight end premium league, when you're comparing within that same tier, that flex filler tier, that just says to me, you know, okay, I could take Trey McBride over Zamir White. It still might take a little bit longer here, but the payoff could be more significant. So I don't significantly change my strategy is essentially what I'm getting at here, but I'd be willing to prioritize a tight end selection in the same tier. You know, if you want to work down the list a little bit here, where you're going to find a lot of tight ends in this year's classes in my bench depth tier, right? And so that you're looking at, you know, do I take Grant Calcaterra? Or do I take a guy like Kevin Austin, right? In a tight end premium league, especially once we're getting later in the draft, give me Grant Calcaterra over Kevin Austin. Both guys who I think are, are sneaky sleeper picks and, and could really be impact players much more than people are expecting. But if I'm taking a shot anyways, why not take a shot on a player I'm going to get a premium out of, especially because in this year's draft, you've had the opportunity, probably at the point where you're you're deciding between Calcaterra or Kevin Austin, you've probably gotten the opportunity to take at least two wide receivers already, and probably with some pretty good value behind them. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the next question here. This one's coming from Charm City Kev. What do you do with your rosters that are stuck in mediocrity? So in the Discord, Kev gave the example here of basically he's got a team that's just been borderline playoffs for a couple of years. He's not sure whether he should just keep trying to add pieces to it and hope he makes the playoffs and just kind of hope that once you make the playoffs, you're able to make a good run at it, or if he should take a different approach to it. I love the response in the Discord chat for folks who wanted to beat me to the answer, because uh, it was just uh, a gif of a demolition scene, right? And I completely agree, Kev. This is the move. you got to break down this roster, right? Fantasy football, it's not quite like the NFL, all right? There's no Cinderella New York Giants team sneaking in as the sixth seed uh, and being able to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, right? In fantasy football, if you were that number one or number two seed, yeah, you're not invincible, but you've probably built a roster that gives you a significantly higher chance of winning than that six seed. And then you're stuck, right? As say in a 12-team league, you, you end up sneaking into the playoffs as the six seed. Then you're kind of just stuck with this late first-round selection next year. 
break the team down, get rid of your veterans, sell off your veterans for whatever picks you can get. In a full rebuild, you'll find value in trading years ahead. Now, this year, maybe not so much because folks have overinflated the value of the 2023 pick right now. So maybe you go for 2023 picks. If it's a full rebuild, you probably can get a pretty good value right now in your league on 2024 picks. I normally don't like trading that far ahead. But again, if it's a complete rebuild, you're probably planning a two-year ramp up. So I'd be comfortable doing that. At, trading well ahead of time. Uh, assess your young core pieces. If you have young running backs, flip those young running backs because you don't want to waste their youth and their value, right? So if you have a guy like Javante Williams on your team who I think is overvalued currently, go ahead and flip him. Try to get a young quarterback. That's a player that's going to be a much better foundational piece of your roster. Uh, invest in young wide receivers. They hold their value longer past their rookie contract, right? That's really the approach that I would would take uh, and again too if you're thinking of this year's draft and let's tie in the last question about tight ends you know you can be a little bit more confident drafting players such as tight ends such as group of five players uh, such as guys uh, that can just maybe project to take a little bit longer to hit right so maybe you feel a little bit more confident doing that you know, looking at the looking at the quarterback position, maybe you feel more confident drafting Malik Willis this year. You don't feel the need to get a player that is probably going to get on the field quicker, right? So a really good example there. Uh, but basically, tear it down, man. Don't don't keep a team in mediocrity. Because guess what? You know, going seven and six in your fantasy football league isn't fun. You know what's fun? Going twelve and zero. And quite frankly. So is going 0-12 if you're racking up the picks, right? And you can kind of have fun with that. So I'm, I'm willing to break it down. No reason to hang out in mediocrity, Kev. That's not what we do in this Patreon, in this rookie big board community. All right, Miles, this one, this one's coming in. This is this is because this has been the buzz all over Twitter today. Should we be worried about the Nikhil Harry to Drake London comps? No. <laughs> No, I don't. I hate comps. I hate comps. You all know I hate comps. And this is just like the worst of the comps. Uh, and so it, not only have we been seeing Nikhil Harry, Miles mentions, you know, Jalen Rager in this uh, sense as well. You know, first and foremost, Jalen Rager wasn't uh, an outlier to me. Jalen Rager was always going to be a miss. I called that one from a mile away. I talked about that a ton. Folks having Jalen Rager as their wide receiver one, I think, was just totally outlandish. I mean, he had bad hands. Guys, he's always had bad hands. All right, he didn't show the ability to consistently separate. Everybody blamed on his quarterback play. He wasn't, there was no reason for Jalen Rager to be considered the wide receiver one in that class, and that talented wide receiver class. So, I, you know, I let's just put cast him aside. Let's go and really hone in on Nikhil Harry Drake London. Now, this one makes a little bit more sense for me. I think Nikhil Harry was much more of a consensus uh, top wide receiver, but it was a much weaker wide receiver group. Uh, but I think the comparisons here that you have kind of bigger wide receivers, more athletic, can struggle to separate at times. Here's the difference. Drake London uh, has a, 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 a much... Uh, Drake London does separate, does struggle to separate, but he wins at the catch point much more consistently in much different ways. Drake London has a better body of tape. Uh, I think he has much better hands than Nikhil Harry ever showed. In Drake London, to me, 
um, really understands how to win contested balls. You don't always have to be able to separate, but you have to be able to win contested balls, right? And, and so for me, the ability to separate at the catch point is something that has consistently been a concern for me. And it was actually one of the reasons that I had to bump Drake London down after his 2020 uh, summer scouting but while watching his 2021 tape, what I saw was him to be able to win in different ways, right? And I've knocked guys who can't separate in the past, a la Rashad Bateman, right? But here's the thing. Rashad Bateman struggled to separate uh, against underside, against uh, college DBs, right? And, and for me, those DBs are only going to get stronger, and they're only going to get bigger at the NFL level. Drake London has the size to overcome that, right? Drake London has some scheme versatility. That's the other thing. Nikhil Harry really was just lined up as a boundary wide receiver. He didn't have that much versatility. You can move Drake London inside. You can play him in the Z. You can play him in the Y. Or you can play him along the boundary as the X, right? And so Drake London, to me, has so much more to his profile then limiting him and calling him Nikhil Harry would make sense. Nikhil Harry also had a notoriously difficult landing spot for fantasy football, right? And so there, there is that part of his game as well. Nikhil Harry struggled with injury. There are a ton of factors that went into the Nikhil Harry bust. To call him Drake London, I, I understand uh, the... I, I should say I understand the narrative. I don't understand the narrative. I get that it's out there. Uh, I understand there may be some uh, comparisons to their profile, but to me, they're not even similar players. It, it's I'm totally disregarding the comp. I'm not worried about it whatsoever. And maybe that's dismissive. I don't usually like to be that dismissive, but I'm just not seeing it. All right, moving on to the next question here. All I do is win, win, win. Would, who are some rookies that have seen overcorrections in their fantasy football value? He gave some examples here, and he nailed on one of the ones I was going to talk about. It's breaking my heart. It's Christian Watson. I'm the Christian Watson guy. I've been screaming, I think, for four months now that Christian Watson should be a sleeper in this year's draft class. But it's done. Christian Watson has left sleeper value, folks. We have blown his cover he did too good at the combine. He did too good at his pro day. We let too many people see the North Dakota tape. I think too many people have downloaded this podcast. I appreciate y'all telling your friends, but we blew it with Christian Watson. Because now Christian Watson, I have seen mocked as high as the late first round in a 1QB mock draft. Early second round in a Superflex mock draft. Y'all, two months ago, we were getting him as a late third round selection. And we were going to hit that value. But now Christian Watson has risen to the point where he's being drafted in Superflex leagues. I'm seeing fairly consistently in that 12 to 16 range. On the rookie big board, he's still 22 overall. Now, if Christian Watson is able to secure top 50 value or top 50 NFL draft capital, his value will jump and his value probably will match that early second round Superflex value, right? And there's a good chance that Christian Watson does end up a top 50 selection. Currently, I still have his projection as 50 to 102 because it almost just feels like maybe there's too much inflation in his value based on what I'm seeing out there. But again, it would not shock me if Christian values or Christian Watson is a top 50 NFL draft selection. But at this current time, I do think we've inflated his value a little bit too much. We've blown his cover. I really don't appreciate that, y'all. But you know what? I'm going to be willing to pay up for him. I really will. Another guy here who is in a very similar way seeing his value bump up, continue to climb, is Alec Pierce. 
I think we've overcorrected Alec Pierce to a degree. Now, I do have him as 19 overall on my board, so it's not as significant, but I thought we were going to be playing a cool with Alec Pierce. Again, another guy who we knew was going to test well, and then once folks actually saw that, he bumped up on board, so I think he's locked into a second-round selection right now, which I do think is a little bit of a bummer. Um because I wanted to get him, I wanted to get him uh, at a good value. So I, I'd say those are two guys for me whose value has risen a little bit higher than I would prefer. Uh, somebody who's overcorrected on the downside. You know, I, I think maybe we're looking at an overcorrection for dropping David Bell. And, and, you know, I'm somewhat guilty of this as well. David Bell has dropped to 31 overall on the rookie big board. And, and really, I think it's folks being shocked at his testing numbers. We knew his athletic testing wasn't going to be great. So I have David Bell as an early third round selection right now. I've seen him fall as late as, you know, late third round, fourth round in rookie drafts. The thing is, I don't know David Bell's ceiling, right? So if you put him next to a guy like James Cook or Velas Jones Jr., who he's next to on the rookie big board rankings right now, you know, it's hard for me to justify taking David Bell over a guy with a higher ceiling like James Cook or even Velas Jones Jr., right? So I get the overcorrection there, but I do think maybe we've dropped David Bell just a little bit too far. All right, I got one more question here in the mailbag. We're digging deep again as a celebration here of the Rookie Big Board Guide release. Before I get to the last question, one more pitch. If you're enjoying this podcast, seriously, it's free all year long, the podcast is, but consider heading on over to patreon.com slash the FF Educator and getting volume one of the Rookie Guide 130 pages, 90 individual profiles, so much packed into that. Patreon.com slash the FF Educator, six or nine dollar tiers for my non American friends. That is the RBB 300 or RBB 400 levels. Uh, and there are a lot of international folks that subscribe to the Patreon, so I appreciate y'all tremendously. All right, last question coming in here from Lee Hyde 98. Is it better to have uh, I have one high pick or multiple lower picks, and I'm paraphrasing this question a little bit, but essentially this is this concept of would you rather have a high at, uh, rookie draft selection and have the opportunity to draft somebody who feels like a can't-miss prospect, or would you rather trade down from that and acquire multiple picks right, and have more opportunity to hit on those guys? Now the cop-out answer here is going to be it depends on the year. right? Uh, there's going to be certain years where you have the uh, Jamar Chases of the world, right? Or even the Trevor Lawrences. And listen, I understand Trevor Lawrence hasn't hit yet. I'm still fully confident he will as we kind of correct those situations. There's certain years where you really do want that 101 pick and you feel confident getting that 101 pick. In this year's draft class, the, the, the tiers are so deep, right? That I would much rather in this year's class Instead of having the 101, if I could trade back from the 101 to get the 104, the 108, and the 202, give me those three selections all day long in this year's draft class, right? Uh, let's give another scenario. You're sitting there at 106, and you need a wide receiver. In a super flex league, chances are that there's probably going to be two or three wide receivers left in the top tier of, of this rookie class here. Based on what I would project out, I got five wide receivers in the top tier right now. So when you're on the clock, you can trade back two spots, pick up an extra second round selection, and still get a guy in that top tier of the wide receivers. So in this year specifically, I would much rather trade back, acquire multiple picks. And then if you look at it in the broad scale sense, 
year in and year out, just playing into the idea and, and understanding that as much as we study these rookies, as much as we evaluate these guys, as much as we fall in love, as much as we find these guys that we really like, we will miss on players. There will be guys that feel like can't misses that will be misses, right? We just talked about Nikhil Harry, a great example of this, right? There will be guys that miss, and there will be guys that, that fall a little bit and hit on. I remember when CeeDee Lamb was falling to the late first round. I remember when Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins were falling to the second round. I remember when Justin Herbert was a super flex late first round pick, right? In some of these picks, people made really knowing what was going to happen, right? In some of it, we got lucky. I liked Justin Herbert. I was high on Justin Herbert. Did I think that Justin Herbert would be quarterback two in my dynasty rankings this close uh, to his draft? No, absolutely not. There was a little bit of luck because I had more picks and I had the ability to use those picks on, on Justin Herbert, right? And so in most years, I am giving myself more opportunities, more picks. We're going to miss on guys. We're going to miss on first round selections. We're going to miss on more second round selections. We're going to miss on a heck of a lot more third round selections. And folks, we are going to miss on a lot of fourth round selections, right? So you might as well rack up those picks, give yourself more players. Obviously, roster concerns are, are, are a you know, consideration, right? Do you only have 22 roster spots? Do you have 35 roster spots? Can you use these rookies to clear out some of these clunky veterans taking up spots on your rosters, right? All of those things have to play into it and be a, a point of consideration. But for the most part, for the most point, I am willing to trade back and get more picks. All right, that's kind of a deep mailbag here. We went longer than we usually do. We got more commercial time than we usually do. But seriously, I hope you enjoyed this mailbag. It's more organic, more off the cuff. I hope it still made good sense for you all, and I hope it was an enjoyable listen. And I seriously hope and I would appreciate if you, as a listener, somebody who's been enjoying this show, whether it's your first one or you've been listening to all 70-something episodes, if you haven't checked out patreon.com slash the FF Educator, now is the time to do it. Get the 2022 Rookie Guide. And at that same tier, by the way, it comes with Discord access and it comes with the ability to set up a one-on-one -on -one rookie draft consolation call with me as well. Folks, I don't think there's a better value out there and I don't think there's a better listener base out there. Thank you so much for checking it out. As always, I appreciate you checking out this episode.